Serious TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott, and saddling up alongside me once again, why, he's the doc to my Wyatt. I'm the noise to his quiet. It's Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, Scott. Uh, I guess I'm doc because I'm a retired old gunfighter living in a living in a hostel somewhere being cared for by women of ill repute. <laughs> and I'm Wyatt because I'm prone to shooting my mouth off. Anyway... <laughs> So, as promised, uh, I guess about four weeks ago, we are back to discuss the final four episodes of Justified City Primeval. Um, for those folks who listen to the podcast, hopefully you also checked out the podcast released last week that I recorded with Jamie, where we just had a basically general conversation about just stuff we're watching on TV, which uh, was very Hulu-centric between the Hulu, Hulu slash FX universes. Um, obviously, we did not talk about Justified City Primeval because we already got a podcast devoted to that. Um, but I just like mentioning the fact that one of the TV series I discussed um, that I ha- had been recommended to me by uh, my best friends who will not be listening to this podcast because they do not watch Justified. Um, so they can't hear me say one of their two best TV recommendations to me in the last 10 years. Um, I have, I've watched 56 episodes of Snowfall in a week and a half, as I was just mentioning to you, Brian. And it's almost bothering me to be recording instead of watching the final four because I've stayed up to like 7.30 in the morning watching these things. You know, the joys of being unemployed, apparently. Um, it, it's one, it's, there's one of a few shows that I've said before that I get frustrated that we kind of missed the boat on doing a podcast about. Now we were able to make up for it with succession when we got to the, when in its final season, though I think we felt that about the previous couple. Um, This is another show. And like I said, on that podcast, it's, you know, it's like the wire meets narcos with a little bit of, with a little bit of that high quality FX magic in there. So it's maybe it's not quite HBO level, but in a way I, I almost think it's better because you know it's, it ha- it feels like it shares the same lineage and family with shows like The Shield, or even um, maybe the early seasons of Sons of Anarchy, perhaps, and certainly Justified. It actually shares a writer, this writer who behind this show, um, behind uh, Snowfall, who had actually written several Justified episodes, if I'm not if I'm remembering correctly. So it's just it's in my head because I was literally watching it. I'm watching it instead of watching baseball games because you know my my, my baseball team kind of sucks now. <laughs> so I was like, do I want to watch this? Nah, I could watch. I could watch like two and a half episodes of Snowfall instead. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. Well, it's it's a wonderful show, and literally this year we could do a podcast like, hey, this week in FX, like all their shows have been so good. Like whoever their director of content is right. is absolutely killing it like the the jamie and i watch uh you know a show we text about the martin freeman show i heard you all mention that like we watch that snowfalls excellent what we do in shadows you know fargo's coming back with mr ham and just the the i think the only sad thing is leading into our discussion on justified is that I've mentioned Justified being back to a few people and they're not really aware of it because mm-hmm. of, of, you know, not everybody has Hulu and without people have sort of really went away from the live model of watching TV. Um, a lot of people don't really know it's back and some people struggle to find it. Um, so, I, I mean, that's regrettable, but you can't fault you can't fault FX for what they're doing. They're knocking it out of the park. Right. Also, I mean, maybe it doesn't affect the majority of viewers, perhaps, but the fact that there has been the writer's strike and the actor's strike, that has impacted promoting shows. So you can't have Timothy Oliphant going on Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or any of the other type of shows like that. Um, the, I don't even know. The, only those, those shows aren't even on because they have writers and stuff, and, and that goes across the board, and that does impact. You know, it certainly impacts films as well. 
because, you know, they can't talk about it. So then writers can't really write much about it because they can't interview them about it. So they're not, not going to bother doing promotional articles, you know, right. leading up to it. So that, all that kind of has a trickle down mm -hmm. effect and really uh, impacts uh, the awareness factor for, for an audience. So look, at least if nothing else in this day and age, it's not like it was, you know, 20 something years ago when we're, there weren't streaming services where basically most TV shows can live forever. Um, unless you happen to be on HBO Max and they get rid of you and then you're gone forever. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and now they're, but now they're picking up AMC shows. What the hell is going on? It's such a bizarre streaming service. It's really weird. It's like one week, okay, they're the best. Next week, oh, you know what? I think they're the worst. Now it's like, I don't even know what to make of them anymore. You know, when, I like the search engine. I hate the search engine. What happened to my favorite? What's on my clubs? Uh, you idiots. Anyway, so that's our general TV conversation for this podcast. But <laughs> as you mentioned, we are here to talk about Justified City Primeval and specifically the final four episodes. Um, and we, as I don't recall, I don't believe that we really did a, we really went any kind of recap for the first four. So I don't think we're going to approach these that way either. We didn't. Um, so we, 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 we picked up the second half uh, of the story, you know, after everything went down before, but now that we've established an ongoing relationship between say Raylan and Carolyn, which, uh, we, we talked about a little bit at the end of the previous podcast, cause we were first, there was a certain amount of speculation. Wait, are they getting together? Cause that's what it seems like. And I was like, you know what? Way to go. You know, mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed that kind of, you know, that kind of turn. Not that people always have to be hooking up all the time, but it's like in this situation, like, all right, I kind of like that. Because if you had told me in the first episode that was going to happen, it'd be like, who's, who the hell is writing your show? But it really kind of works here. And I do kind of like, um, the character chemistry between the two actors and the two characters. Um, the two characters more because of, um, and, and even putting color aside, but they still represent such different sides and factions, yet like a Venn diagram have a lot of overlap in the middle. You know, it's kind of like a, at the end of the day kind of a thing. Um, so, th and that's been something that's been kind of an interesting and, and even unexpected, um, benefit of these final four episodes. I think when I think, when I go back to justify the series, there's always at least that one woman in Raylan's life that, that takes up a lot of, you know, whether it's the, his relationship with, uh, was it Winona was his wife's name? Yeah. Um, or a, or the situation with Ava or the, or then the occasion of oh, uh, the, the kid whose name I'm going to forget, but I'm sure you, you'll probably remember, but you know the one I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. She was very good. Um, there's always at least one or more or multiple women that play a major part in his life. And here in the series, you know, once they shipped his daughter off, off, the, off the show, you know, until you know, we don't see her again until the very end, like Carolyn pretty much takes up that role because we, we get a little bit of Maureen, the other cop, but not, but that really doesn't become significant to the, till pretty much late in the next to last episode. And then for a very different reason. Um, I, I just like that it's something considering this could just feel like just, Oh, it's just another season of Justified, but maybe not one that stands out any more or less than than your average quote unquote season. It's a, it's not a season two. It's not a final season. It's oh, it's season I don't know four point five. It's okay. Um, anytime they're doing something that's different than what had been done before, and you had pointed out and everything from the way the music score is being changed uh, for the kind of show it is, which probably reflects where it's located, since this is all in Detroit instead of Kentucky. And where, where we're used to it taking place and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but I think the Carolyn's relationship is actually a rather uh, significant change. And I don't want to say a, saying a welcome one comes off a little weird, but it, it, it's just kind of a, a different and fun dynamic that I kind of like in the show, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's, it's a more mature relationship. It's, 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 it's two older people who have their own things going on who kind of carve out a little bit of time. It's not as all consuming or um, doesn't take up all the oxygen the way that relationships, you know, in the past have for him. Uh, there's a, there's a nice um, level of chemistry 
between them and they're both older people who you know let's be honest as you get older one of the things you do sometimes is cut the bullshit and not do the dance and there's a little bit of of that with them and and i think the thing about carolyn that's nice too is she's not really a damsel in distress she doesn't need him to save her um you know she's got her own connections her own people and as we see in these episodes, I mean, you know, she's wise enough to use the book and to go to the Albanians herself and do things to protect herself. She's not, you know, she's not completely uh, defenseless against uh, against the Oklahoma wild man. So uh, <laughs> I just like saying that. I, I, I had a feeling you would. It, it sounds like a, a wrestler. Like he'd be a wrestler on like a local wrestling circuit, the Oklahoma Wild Man. I could see you wearing like a, a, a black t shirt with the Oklahoma Wild Man splashed across it. Absolutely. Um, speaking of the Oklahoma Wild Man, let's so maybe switch over to one of the other interesting couples we had for uh, at least a couple episodes. And I'm, I'm talking about Clint Mansell, but I'm not talking about her. Nah, because, you know, look. I love Adelaide Clemens from um, Re- Rectify. Rectify. Re- Reactify. Rectify. There you <laughs> go. I, I can only remember the it was R-E. What's the show? Revival? Revolution? Rectify. Um, she's perfectly fine in this, but th- I wouldn't say there's something that's like really outstanding about it. I'm talking more about the, the weird um, relationship between Manzel and Sweetie that we have with Vondi Curtis Hall's character. Um and yeah, this is the episode where they really start plumbing through the book. And the joy that we got to experience in this episode is the, the guy they go after is one Burt Dickey, a real estate agent, um, who they, who they can blackmail here. And what makes it especially not just sweetie, but sweet, it's David Cross. I mean, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows how big a fan I am. And I'm sure you are. And, and probably anyone who's been on this uh, podcast, how big a fan we are of Mr. Show with Bob and David, you know, you Bob Odenkirk, David Cross, and of course um, his amazing, wonderful work on Arrested Development. So anytime David Cross pops up in something, I get happy. And, and especially even when he's playing it very low key, he's not going really comedic here, but the problem of course, when you have some, someone like David Cross, even when he's delivering a straight line, it still feels like he's telling a, it's like a sketch comedy bit instead. If that it, makes sense. it is, and with a name like Bert Dickey, I yeah. mean, he he could be on Arrested Development or or on the you know the the Mister Show. He could be on either one of those with a name like Bert Dickey. So he was he was a neat uh, addition because this whole this whole show has been pretty grimy, gritty, dark, and and even though he didn't play it up big for laughs it you know i thought he brought a little levity to the seriousness that was nice yeah absolutely i, I always kind of wish that um at some only because the storytelling was so um tight or maybe i should say tight 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 i always wish they'd found <laughs> some opportunity <laughs> to just throw a bone for a scene somewhere with David Cross and either Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, so he could have because the two of them have appeared together on several other shows, including including Arrested Development, actually, and you can even go back to they both appear on on news radio, if I'm not mistaken, together, and I think maybe. I want to say just shoot me maybe at one point. Um, there's been a number of times there's like a, there's a little bit of stunt casting. You get the, the two of them in, in the same place together. And I really would have liked to have seen that. Or maybe, or actually that Lucky Hank show. That's a show that Cross really should have shown up. Oh, yeah. That would have been great that, for him to be some wacky professor of like philosophy or something. Uh, that would have been amazing. Dear AMC. Can you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. So. <clears throat> they, they're, they're, they go to blackmail him. And the, the important plot development here is two things. Number one, the fact we establish might be a character thing. Sweetie is clearly willing and a, and willing to lower his blackmail demands maybe far more easily <laughs> than, than a crook should. You know, that almost seemed comical to me when you, when you drop him like 30,000 to 10,000, it's like, Wait, what? Which is Manzel's reaction to it. But more importantly, there is a painting that Clement takes a liking to that's hanging um, in Dickie's den there. That's in Dickie's den. Um, <laughs> this is a big uh, painting by uh, Stanley Garlic. Um, love that name, Stanley Garlic. It's a good one. 
And of course, later on, he goes to, he goes to steal the painting from, uh, take the painting from, uh, Dickie. And that, that is just, it's important because that then cascades into the next episode because, you know, Dickie liked that painting. He wanted it back and he hires someone to go get the painting and presumably, you know, can, while you're at it, you might, might as well kill the guy as well. And that leads to all sorts of, well, not much actually, because it leads to, leads to the guy getting killed. Um, in that, in that episode, we also have the, the development of the looks like they're going to catch this guy. They're finally going to fucking, because Manzel is just proven to be slippier, you know, than, an, than an eel in a oil stream in, in the middle of July. And I can't even come up with a story or an analogy right now. Um, and they blow another one. <laughs> Once again, I mean, it's a it's a plan attached by everybody together. I think Carolyn has a hand in it because she, you know, she she spotted a certain name in the book who just happens to be the woman who took the judgeship that she kind of wanted, if I'm not mistaken. And then they kind of get that woman involved, and the cops are involved, and everybody seems to be involved. And somehow Clement, he's got Spidey sense or something, and the one thing he's not carrying on him is any evidence <laughs> that they can really pin anything on him. Yeah, it's it's uh that that's a great scene because it's outdoors. So there was lots of different people walking by and um and you know, I think we talked about last time most of this show takes place at night and in the dark. And that was a nice like outdoor, well lit scene uh that that looked a lot different than a lot of the scenes in the show. Um had a lot of tension. But yeah, the the one thing we can say uh, about Boyd Holbrook's character is uh, Clement is he definitely does have um, excellent instincts, and when he doesn't have instincts, he's he's just extremely lucky. But this time he has excellent instincts, and uh, again they endanger you know somebody by p- exposing them and him coming out. But it it did make me wonder after we finished the show, it did make me wonder if maybe he was tipped off or, you know, we have the dirty agent that that's exposed later, right? That if maybe he wasn't as clean as they said, or, you know, that, that if some of his luck was facilitated by people that didn't want the case solved because they wanted to put it on somebody else for a different reason that we see very clearly. Um, and then maybe, you know, bust him or kill him later. Interesting thing with his character, and maybe we've seen this before with um, major antagonists. How Actually, we do. So maybe it's, a, maybe it's just a common theme that runs through a lot of them. Um, they can be... They, they can be the type that seem to be a few chess moves ahead, very strategic and calculating, and yet be incredibly impulsive as well yep. and just, you know, break in the moment and, and just go and derail their own, you know, plan, whatever, which is basically the, the core and what starts off this guy's storyline to begin with, because, you know, he ends up going after the judge and that whole situation just because of a, basically a middle finger at a, at a, at the traffic thing, um, getting out of the parking garage or whatever. Yeah. Leaving the casino, which then, you know, leads to murders and, and all this other stuff. And then, and, that, and thus we have a show. But I'm just, I've, I noticed that it's like, okay, he's really smart. And then he does these things. But I think it, it reminds me of how athletes uh, do so well. And they often attribute how well they do to their confidence. And that's the thing with this character. He, throughout the entire series, there's never a point where you see him kind of qu- questioning his own actions as far, or even, or even stopping to try to think of, wait, wait, what should I do now? Or, or, or make, or deliberating things. He seems to always be pushing forward. Um, so that I, I thought that was kind of a, he's a very, he's, he's a bit blunt force. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that, of course, for, you know, for, for villainy. Uh, because, but he, I think he has that, he has that feeling of being Teflon, like he's invulnerable, which really explains why his last words are kind of like the way they are when he does meet his end at the end of the series. Yeah. Um, but, oh, there was one thing I kind of, I, I, I kind of left out for this early in the series, but I just want to go back to because only because, 
well, I kind of, it's a great scene. And also we talked a bit about it or anticipating something more with this character in the first podcast for, for this, uh, city primeval. And that was when Raylan actually in the previous episode met, uh, he actually met Raymond Cruz and, you know, I didn't know how they let him on the set of the closer because, you know, he's no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did, I, did I make that joke last time? I don't care. Um, but Raymond Cruz gives him kind of some backstory about, you know, and it's, Obviously, it's about the crew's character. And one can say, well, we're never going to see this character again. I mean, it's a nice little scene, but doesn't really add up so much. It's like, no, but I think it tells a story not simply of Cruz, but it's kind of like a bigger story about, you know, almost like this is Detroit. This is the way things have been happening. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like the way Chinatown was, you know, right. was in Chinatown. You know, it's a specific incident, but it's also showing how, you know, morals kind of, you know, get get blunted away, and you can kind of become more inured. Um, is it inured to the system? I don't know. Inured, yeah. I n u r e d. And also, the other reason we need to bring it up is because it's going to have a, an eerie parallel. We're going to see by the end of the series. Oh, it definitely has a parallel. The the story that Cruz tells is how he's going after a criminal who then visited him at home, in a home, at his home, you know, to have a drink together, to have a beer. Sound familiar yet? And then at some point, you know, the guy looks like he was reaching for something. He kills, you know, Cruz kills the guy. It turns out he's only reaching for a bottle opener. Well, <laughs> that's, you know. Or a cassette. Or a cassette tape. Not an 8-track. Um, but the way Cruz felt about it was, you know, it was going to be Dean Seltrans, but he sleeps just like a baby about it. Yeah. Um, we, we don't get anything from Raylan about that, except the fact of what Raylan's career decisions become. And I think that's something you tie to that. I think that's where that leads to that. I think if he doesn't shoot a man who didn't draw on him, he doesn't retire. He doesn't go quit. Well, he quits. He doesn't quit. Well, I think, you know, they say later he retired, but I I do think that the experience in Detroit shook him a little bit in the the way things were happening. Uh And I think I talked about a little last time that um, there's a certain honor to Raylan Givens that he thought, you know, some of the other law enforcement people didn't share. And I think he was really bothered that the one police officer he trusted the most, the the woman who he you know sort of went to because he thought the guy was kind of a scumbag, turned out the guy was more honest than she was. And you know, I, I think I think it was just a very very bad experience. Uh, and as the chief, you know, in a a neat little cameo by David Keckner, you know, at the end as his boss that given the speech for the boss is retiring. And, and uh, the boss says something like, you know, Raylan Givens, only guy to go to Detroit, step in shit and come out with a diamond. Well, you know, I mean, he may have solved it and been a hero, but he didn't feel that way. He, he, he felt pretty bad about the whole thing. And, uh, um, you know, even so, even so far as you and I both know, he, he was going to go back and open that door, um, you know, mm-hmm. and Clement finds that out, you know, later Raylan just sealing somebody up in a room and leaving them there. Like that's not honorable. That's not right. And that, you know, I think a lot of those things really bothered Raylan. And when it ended with him shooting somebody who wasn't armed, I think that was just the final straw. And, and he thought about family and other things at that point. Uh, but you know, w- will he stay retired or, or or not? And we'll get there at the end. But uh, but yeah, I, I thought D- Detroit took a chunk out of Raylan Givens. Yeah, going along with that and, and echoing some of what you said and, and and building on it, it's I think Detroit provided a lot of um, disappointment for Raylan in not before one could say one could be disappointed in the system but you try to have faith in people and it's the people who kind of let him down um, at many stretches during his time in Detroit, obviously Maureen, the cop turning out to be 
as corrupt as any of them um, in the turn she takes in the uh, towards the end of the smoking gun episode, uh, the one where the gun keeps changing places and never really works out. Um, there are decisions that Carolyn makes that he is troubled by, quite frankly. Um, and, and, and it just, it, it, it goes on. I mean, and even when we get towards the end of that episode, when the Albanians have, uh, kind of stepped in and are taking, and he's trying to make the case that, you know, he's got the evidence right there. He's got the gun right there. This is the gun that can help put this man away. And the, the mob boss's real, uh, uh, Tom, I think his name is, um, his basic response is as they're going over a bridge, they stop on a bridge and he throws the gun into the river. And I was thinking about that when I watched it. I was trying to, well, why would he bother? My initial reaction was, why is he bothering to do that? And then my, my, my guess is he's, he's simply making a point. And I mean, I was, I mean, I figured, you know, the, the, the lawyer who's been who's been part of many tr trials and murder trials, even himself. Um, do you agree with that? Is that how you saw it as yeah, well? Yeah, I, I think he was making the point that the justice system doesn't solve problems in Detroit. We handled them ourselves. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, from the very beginning of this show, we saw the justice system act in a way that, you know, where Raylan was wrong and the judge called him out for it. But it turns out even that judge who did the right thing, letting a guy out was, was a scumbag. And we find that out like nobody in the system that that's involved, that he comes in touch with has clean hands. Like everybody is, is affected by what's happening and what's going on. Yeah. It's interesting in the scene in the, one of the really good scenes, Many good scenes in the, I guess it's in the final episode, uh, The Question. Um, very disappointed we didn't hear the song The Question. I would have appreciated that. You know, all the Moody Blues fans out there. But, cause you know, why do we never get an answer? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now I'm talking about the scene where they actually, uh, they bring the Maureen character into the room with IA and apparently, you know, Raylan and the other and the other two detectives all get to sit there with the IA guy as well, which is a little surprising. I thought it would just be the IA guy, whatever. But I I love what she does there because you know she's lying, she's in denial, but there's truth to some of what she says, and whether it's you know and it's there's the truth of it being what she what she honestly believes and what may actually honestly be the case. Because as you pointed out, what we've been seeing is there is a lot of shady shit that's been going down in Detroit. That's why there's this big fat book with, with all these people and all these names in it. Um, but for me, and I guess it's because, I mean, I know I've probably seen the actress in a number of things over the years that I'm just not thinking of. But the thing I know her best from because I watched the entire series was Sneaky Pete which has a very similar feel to the justified universe. You know, I, I mean, I believe there's some, I, there's gotta be some actors that are shared. I mean, obviously Margot Martindale is in one and she appears in the other. And there's a, I think there's a few other people. I'm not going to run down that list of people, but uh, definitely there are a few. Um, but it just feels like it, it, it could be taking place in the same universe. And she is such a, um, what's the, I don't, I want to I want to use the word other than good. Uh, she, she isn't, she is a not, she, but she is certainly not a corrupted individual in that. She's the, she, she, she is much form, she is virtuous compared to most of the people all around her in, in that series. And that's what we're led to believe as we're watching this show, um, episode after episode. It's like, oh, she's being, you know, she's being a little bit righteous and she's good. And Raylan even gets to stay at her house and we see the kids and we recognize the father from, oh yeah, remember when you were a big deal in Nurse Jackie for like one minute and then I don't know what else you've been doing, but he's probably been on some CBS show that I don't watch. I don't know. Um, and then all of a sudden she makes the biggest character turn like, ooh, ow, that's, that's straight out of 24, man. <laughs> you know, you, did you, did you, did you just shoot Jack Bauer? What's going on here? So, and I, oh, by the way, I applauded the show for like going there. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And by the same, and I love they do the flip because at the same point later in that, I think it's the same episode. Yeah. It has to be the same episode 
where the other cop who's played uh one uh norbert who's you know guy played by norbert i think it's norbert lee butts whatever he comes back and he gives Raylan the gun that was supposed to go down to evidence and it because he he, and and i love he he gives a little he gives a little spiel about you know how about how some some people have gone to prison for crimes they didn't commit but they had done other shit in their lives, committed other crimes they had gotten away with. So it's kind of, you know, was it karmic, so to speak? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. It balances out that way. But when it doesn't, and when it's not, and he, he that's what he can't abide. It, it shows like something, the flip, her flip, and, and he has a little bit of a flip. It shows that he, this man, just like Raylan, actually, has a code. I, I love when you establish a character has a code. There's a, there's a lot, you know, they, they may seem like they do things, whatever, but there's a line they won't cross. And this is a line this guy isn't cross just to get a name off, off a board, especially when you're doing it in support of a fellow de- detective who turns out to be, you know, fucking corrupt. Right. Uh, and I think that's sort of a theme among the, among the characters we like the best. And, uh, you know, I, where, like, where we lose Walter Watts when he starts, going off of, of what he's been and, and crossing that line, you know, from what we, what we even find acceptable. Right. But like, if you think even in this show, I mean, uh, sweetie just wanted to get enough and sweetie didn't want to hurt people. He didn't want things to go wrong. He'd participate, but he wouldn't go that far. Um, but you know, he still was involved in bad stuff, you know, uh, Carolyn, use the book and let's be honest, like she used it to hurt somebody. Um, but you know, when it went to a certain point, she couldn't even worry about representing her client anymore. She had to, to take a step and that sort of moral ambiguity is something I think a character like Raylan struggles with because he can't, he can't make those choices. I mean, we've seen him multiple times, um, not shoot people that he could have or give people second chances or third chances. And, uh, you know, the, the moral ambiguity, I think really is something his character found disturbing throughout the show. Right. Um, but I, the thing I love about that scene in the interrogation room is that she changes the tone when she figures out what they have. And it isn't, I didn't do it. It's you can't prove it, which is a completely different thing. Oh, of course. Absolutely. She's defiant about it. Yeah. Um, something you kind of sort of piggybacking on something you said, and I'm going to use a whole bunch of animal uh, phrases here. I'm going to go from you know piggybacking to dovetailing to something. <sighs> All right. I'm gonna, he, I know he's going to listen, so I might as well do it. So short, well, shortly after we <laughs> released the previous podcast about the first four seasons, uh, four episodes of this season, uh, one of our more regular listeners, contributors, and I guess he appeared on that weird one with me, uh, Mr. Gott had messaged me a few times about the, um, or at least once about the podcast, you know, big fan but he he wanted to know he, he was trying to remember if we had because he because i guess he listened to it over a couple different days or nights i don't know not like i'm gonna remember anything he said um he wanted to know if we had pointed out at least in this first four episodes um his view that it's been four episodes of this series so far and the guy who and, and i'll i'm gonna build on what he said because you know, my own writer like flourishes i'll improvise here the guy who starts off this entire, the original Justified series having a showdown, like out of the old West, you know, which became kind of a running thing from season to season. There had to be at least that one, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to go old West on, on you, whatever, you know, you know, you know, draw and whatever. Um, that God had perceived that he had yet to draw his gun in four episodes. And if he, and if you thought that was significant, whatever, I, I personally didn't think it was that significant, but that was just maybe, I was also being just a pain in the ass to him. Uh, cause I said, well, he, he does have that shotgun in the very first episode, but that's, that's different. I, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not the gun, whatever. Although, and I couldn't remember and I was, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> 
Did, does he have his I think he did gun draw his gun where they go in to the house. The girl in the apartment with yeah. the Albanians. The one where where Nor- Norbert ends up shooting the guy. Oh, oh, you're talking about the the roommate. Standoff. Yeah, like like where where they're going to find the, the girl mm-hmm. and her roommates being tortured and they bust in on them. Yeah. I again, I I I I didn't care enough to go back and check things because, you know, he can, you know what, David, I know you're going to listen. You can do screenshots and you can whatever to to check, whatever I I didn't, I will go with you here. He didn't fire his gun, which is still significant. Um, So the only time, so it's interesting in this series that when he does finally fire his weapon and then the guy was not reaching for a gun, I wouldn't refer to him as unarmed because Manziel definitely had a gun on him, but that's not what he was reaching for. Right, right. Um, and th- and I think that that is what makes it significant. The fact that one time he actually uses his gun, and he and that's and thus Manziel, his his last words like you know why'd you kill me? <laughs> you know why'd right. you shoot me? Why'd you kill me? Whatever I think he says something along those lines. Because um, he's just shocked by it. Again, he's shocked because. This guy's been Teflon this whole time. And maybe he thought literally he was Teflon. You know, he always had that confident air about him that no matter what the situation, even though he's surrounded by these Albanians, even though he was in that room where by all rights, he, he should have felt like he was going to die. Um, luckily we know there's at least one really stupid Albanian out there. <laughs> oh, by the way, I, once I knew they were locking him in the room, that was that occurred to me as that's the only way this guy can get out of that room is if you know the cripple guy decides no no I I I, I thought he was gonna try to go there with more than one person and maybe put him in the doorway and crush his head or something like that I mean going there by yourself with crutches with a gun uh, guy the guy deserved the beating he got because that's his, that's his well it's, it, it's funny that you know Terry Kenny's character the boss says he says what do you mean you let him go and you gave him a gun he's an idiot he is an idiot but you know strangely enough that character might be like the the most sympathetic character in the whole show because he's nice and the only person he wanted to hurt was him because he hurt him right. um and uh but yeah it, it uh that that was a that that was a a a scene that you saw that coming, but I did like that. It shows Raylan go there. Oh yeah. I I loved all that. I mean, you, and I loved, I think when he gets out of bed and that kind of wakes up Carolyn and the line she has, which she's, it's a very simple line. It's not, but she knows what he's going to do. Yeah, she know. I mean, it's clear why he's up and why he's leaving. It's not. There's, there's no mistake about it. Which I kind of like because that's who he is. Right. You know this. He he can't abide by this. Now, should the Albanians just to be on the safe side? Maybe had someone guarding that door for the next several days just to make sure no one comes to get him out. And that maybe I don't know. They don't. They didn't seem like they're very think ahead kind of folks. You know, you know. Then again, when you run your operation out of an old age home, which means, how good can that place smell? Quite frankly, I mean, it's kind of smell like you know. Yeah, but the witnesses have terrible memory, so. Yeah, but they, but you know, but the Albanians have working nostrils, so I don't know how they can do that. <laughs> um, I, I know where we want to go. I'm just wondering if there's anything. Uh, yeah, I, I did want to add one other thing stuff we before we go there. Yeah, yeah, and that is, I, I think. The the final episode from the point of view of Clement is really important because the one thing about Clement is he's excellent at sizing people up. Right. And the, when he's there with Raylan, he knows if he follows a certain set of rules, he's safe because Raylan's not the other cops or the Albanians. Right. And I think that's why he's shocked that Raylan shoots yeah, him. Absolutely. Because he would have been the last person that – Clement's so good at at seeing people, and he's seen him how he is, and he sized him up that he never would have believed Raylan would have shot him unarmed. And and that's the and, and I, I like the touch that Clement's music and all his stuff is like cassette, 
Yeah, because it's a throwback. Like it, it, it's a nice little detail that tells you something about him. Um, and the one final thing I want to say is, uh, I really enjoyed the character of uh, 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 Sweetie, and it the way he died. I liked the way they did it with not a lot of fanfare. It was just over, but um, you know th- they did a great job with him with Clement, with all of them, adding these just little touches to show the sadness in all their lives. Right. Um, you know, that his dream was that bar. I love the scene where him and his guys go and he shows them like that was his dream was to have that bar. And also the fact that it, it fills in a major blank uh, about the relationship between Sweetie and Carolyn when you realize yes. he, he was even, you know, helping to take care of her and babysit for her when she was like 10 years old and she yeah. would go, go sit on the side sidelines while he was performing in the band and and she's the one person who's positive about the 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 the, the, the rundown uh place that he's bought to turn into yeah. a bar um so that's so then when she said later says about you know she, he was like a father to her well we've actually we've actually seen that yeah um, yeah I, th- I thought for a short show they did a lot of really good uh backstory pieces to give the characters some weight and depth. Right. Um, and, and so I, I really, I really enjoyed it. A lot of justified was an arc of a bad guy sprinkled in with occasionally the episode of the week or this or that, uh-huh. but this just stayed on this group of characters and we got some depth to them that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if they wanted to go further with any of them, maybe um, if this had been a 10 episode deal instead of eight, uh, I would have maybe wanted a bit more with the other detectives, perhaps, um, uh, especially the one whose name I'm going to, I don't remember. Uh, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to say the black, the black guy, but the black guy, anyway, guy from King of Queens. <laughs> okay. So I'm watching this final episode and I'm the kind of person I, I pause things from time to time and maybe to, you know, to take a bite out of something or to write something. I, I didn't take any notes or anything. Um, but I was having a feeling because things seemed to be wrapping up. I was like, huh. And I looked and I see, wait, there's still like 12 and a half minutes left here. Okay. Where are they going to go with this? And it's like, oh, he's, he's going to quit the, the marshals and whatever. It's like, all right, still another 10 minutes left here. Okay. I'm not even going to ask if you or anyone else out there, did, did anyone think we would suddenly get a, out of nowhere, hey, remember Boyd? <laughs> a, a mini Boyd arc in the final 10 minutes, out of, which has no connection to anything else. But can I say how happy it made me? I mean, I, I have been talking a lot recently, um, not necessarily on the podcast, but just in, just in, in real life, about how much I, uh, how big a fan I am and others either are or should be of Walton Goggins. Um, those aforementioned close friends of mine, they just, they just started plowing as, as fast as they go through anything, plowing through the, the righteous gemstones for the last f- several weeks, which, which our friend Jamie got me into watching, you know, like a year or two ago. And he plays such a kooky character there. And we always talk about how he was so great on the shield and, and we can point out a number of things, but the one role we usually come back to almost more than any, although one could say Shane, but we're more likely to go to Boyd from Justified because it's that that's the yin and the yang of Raylan Givens and Boyd on Justified. And that's why it came to that final season with the two of them. And it's a really great, it's an unheralded final season that we probably, that people probably don't talk about as much as they talk about your obvious ones, like your breaking bads or even better call Saul's and whatever. But and the, why it, I should have seen it coming. I didn't. I, I can't lie. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming because I thought they gave that character and the story between Raylan and Boyd such great closure in the original finale for Justified. So I did not expect them to go back and like, oh, let's do a little bit more. Let's El Camino this shit, <laughs> so to speak, whatever. Um. So I'll I'll just start off the conversation just about my just reaction like oh my god boy it's Boyd, you know what I will the only thing I will say once we saw Kentucky 
I knew that's where we were going. And I went, oh my gosh, is it going to be? And it was. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll let you jump in here. And, and, you, see, and you see a bridge, you, you know, <laughs> and, and you, you see a bridge and you're like, okay, like I know where we are. Uh, it was great to see him and I was unspoiled on it. Um, the only bump, the only noticeable bump after the start of this episode that I saw for the show was after it aired. Um, you know, I think I saw Seppenwall or somebody put like I talked to the director before the strike or through their publicist or something about that shocking twist. Um, so I wasn't spoiled on it, but it was neat to see because it leaves a door open for the future that that's pretty exciting. And I thought uh, he looked great. I mean, I, I think the thing about the thing about uh, Boyd is if, if you put at the menace end Shane and you put at the kooky end uh, baby Billy <laughs> right in between those two, right in between those two is Boyd. Like Boyd is Boyd. Boyd had some of the, you know, funny lines, but he also had menace. Like it's a really good balance of his range as an actor that he can do a lot with. Right. And so seeing him was exciting and leaving the possibility, you know, that, you know, it ending on the phone ringing and you don't know if Raylan picked so up or smart. not. So smart. I, I, that's the way you end it. I was like, okay, this show just came up. Justified had a great ending. Justified city primeval has a great ending. Yep, and this is and the enticing thing about this is if if the people want to do it, and I suspect the only reason that Oliphant and um, Goggins etc. wouldn't want to do it, it just might be scheduling conflicts, depending what their you know what's what things are going to look like for the next few years. Obviously, right now the actor strike, you know, nothing, but that's I'm I'm pretty much guessing that's going to end sometime between now and sometime maybe early October because um, people think it's going to have to end. Um, but also, I I will say this. So we are reintroduced to Boyd, and he's doing his uh. Doing his preaching again, just like we saw at the end of you know the the original series, whatever. Um, I like they established the, the, that he's burned off the uh, the swastika tattoo and stuff like that. Um, now, when we were talking on our previous podcast together, and then we had mentioned about the the different people showing up, and I uh -huh. was like, and I was excited about people who were going to show up in the final, the second half of the season, like a David Cross, like as you mentioned, David uh, Ketchner, and I also mentioned Luis Guzman because that's he's someone of significance. You know, he's he's not cop number. You know, so when we see that it's Luis Guzman as one of the correctional officers taking whatever, I was like, okay, Luis Guzman is not you know you know correctional officer number two. If you went and got him to do this. I mean, unless the, the only time it could be an exception, yes, if it's like a Steven Spielberg movie, it's just someone showing up for a funny cameo. It's like, hey, look who it is, kind of a thing. Hey, that, you know, but that it's justified. Come on. I'm like, okay, something significant's going to happen here. Again, I can't say I, I, I it occurred to me it was going to be a, a, a jailbreak or a prison break, although I should have been, that should have been the obvious thing, except the more that we were lingering. And what I loved about it, we're so we we've seen so many different versions of you know uh, convicts being put in buses or vans or whatever it is to being taken from one place to the other, and unless they're like super meta powered individuals or something, it's usually just a simple you know put them in maybe they get they get handcuffed to this or, the, or to a pipe or something whatever, and then you lock the back doors. And the fact that there were like like almost like get smart, like layers of, you know, doors over a door, over a door <laughs> with, a, with a porthole. I thought that was smart. I mean, again, that, if that's the actual vehicle they use in that area for those, for prison transfers, that may, very well might be. I personally thought that was done. It's almost calling attention to, okay, this should be impervious to being broken out of which means we're going to be breaking out of it. And when Boyd is screaming in the back, which makes no sense, I'm like, okay, there's something kooky going on. And I just, but I'll give them credit again. Didn't see it coming that it was going to be the, uh, it could have been Guzman. That would That's have made sense to me. Guzman. 
They Usman t- was a misdirect. You're absolutely right. Kind of the red, kind of the red herring, or uh, I can't think of the Spanish word for herring. Um, <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute, are you saying did um, when when Boyd was in jail, did did he did he go a little Ryan O'Reilly on us and uh, get involved with the correctional officer? You know, the, the woman. Um, but apparently, <laughs> you know. And yeah, we end with Boyd escaping. Um, so my, my question about that, and maybe I'm overthinking this, because the reason he was being transferred was, seemed like a health issue. Well, he wasn't being transferred. He was being taken to taken. the doctor. I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I keep using, I didn't mean to say transferred again. Yeah. I, I meant he's being taken to the doctor. I mean, because that's a vehicle they would use, obviously, for a transfer as well. That's why I said that way. Right. Um, now, putting aside, he 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 referred to his 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 health malaise, whatever. But it seemed like because there's obviously medical staff at a prison as well, up to a point. So he was able to fake something enough for them to be convinced for him to go to another location. See that that I, I'm going to go along with it because I love the whole thing, but I keep thinking, okay, I understand. I, I, I'm you obviously. I know you know more about this than I would. I would. I would think, but I'm assuming there's at least some very basic stuff. There's the- a prison medical facility I mean, that inmates can go to. Have, like rather but, than do they have an X-ray? Now, do they have an X-ray machine in, in it. Oh yeah, they yeah. have like they, there's like a place for the sick prisoners to go. Right. So now that friend. still might involve getting in a car in the prison you're in and going there. And sometimes, depending on the distances, inmates are taken to local doctors or dentists to do stuff. Uh, that's very rare. Um, and Boyd probably, you know, would merit more than two guards. And because of his his gang affiliation, there'd be probably multiple cars for fear of an attack or somebody trying to break him out. Right. You know. Yeah. But but yeah yeah I, I mean like yes like you you you're you're on the right path. I'll let, again, I'll let it go. It just but I can't say it didn't occur to me. So by the same token, because of what you like what you just said just now about who he is, you know, this is a guy. If there was a guy you're going to suspect of, be, of being likely to do such a thing, it's Mister Mastermind over there. So another thing, again, maybe I'm wrong, but but maybe it's because I've seen it several times so maybe i've seen the cliche of it i guess you could even say you know you put him in the back i think you'd like keep up put 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 at least one or two uh, guards in there with him because something could happen on the road and they get stopped whatever so that way but they're 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 armed and ready to go there as well and and also to avoid liability so if they get hurt like you know hurt themselves they can't claim somebody roughed them up or or somebody hurt them but i will say this and i'll add this this will be my there was a guy represented years ago uh obvious for obvious reasons i can't say the name but he could escape almost any jail and he did escape multiple jails and even was arrested later in a state in the west and they said you know he might have gotten out of those jails there in Kentucky, but he ain't getting out of here. Well, guess what? He got out of there. <laughs> so, and it's also at the same time you have this happening. We do get to see Winona, and this, and this is an obvious, and it's it's not a reflection at all on the Raylan Carolyn relationship. And we also get he he gets a little retirement gift package from her which is kind of funny and a letter indicating that she's really old because she's sending people letters but um (laughs) but that she maybe she might drop by miami at some point in the near future whatever yeah so and and you know love all that but there was something maybe it's just the rush of memories like seeing boyd again there's something you get the rush of memory of oh it's winona you know and and you said and just in that brief scene together because they played so many scenes over the years in Justified, you know, and they were up and down and all, and all the trials and tribulations that he, well, let's be honest, that he put her through. And even though there are certain things that she did, she shouldn't have done, then dealt with, you know, certain money things, if I remember. <laughs> but um, I, I, I did kind of smile. I was like, oh, I, like, I always kind of like these two together because I'm just, you know, because let's be honest. She put up with his bullshit more than anyone else had to, you know, and that's not just about the fact, you know, did look good in jeans or and such. 
Um, no, I love the line she has where she says like, like, so it's really true. You really quit. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's, so, he's really true. And she says something to the effect of, well, if you didn't, you never could for me, but I'm glad if you did it for her. Like, yeah, essentially, you know, like basically, you know, the job is why they they couldn't stay together. She couldn't she couldn't live that way and with him that way. And um, and seeing him with his daughter uh, again is is really nice, Uh, you know, and when they go out on the final, I put a a thing on my Facebook page. He was wearing a Jason Isbell shirt. He's one of my favorite artists I saw in concert not long ago. So I'd like to I don't know if that was a Timothy Oliphant choice or a writer's choice or just wardrobe, but. (laughs) Who's it? What's the name of the artist again? Jason Isbell, I S B E L L. Oh, okay. I for a minute I thought you said it was the I thought it was the Aldine guy. I was going. Oh, no, 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 no. You're, I was worried about. I was worried. I saw that post and I didn't remember the name, but I thought it was Aldine, and I went. I don't know what I'm more disturbed by that that Raylan was wearing that or that Brian's pointing that out as a podcast. No, 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 thing. no. Try that on a podcast. That's all I have to say about him. So, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, no, uh, but you know, yeah, the, the last little bit was a nice walk down nostalgia lane and had a really compelling ending and really enjoyed it. I thought put a nice bow on it. Um, and I think, uh, loved it. And really the, the love that I have of, of, Timothy Oliphant playing an older, wiser Raylan was there. He really nailed it. And I think we got to give a lot of credit to Boyd Holbrook of playing a great villain as, uh, as Clement Manziel. Yes, absolutely. Uh, someone who could just as easily been a, a very run of the mill kind of, Oh, you're kind of a kooky, crazy, you know, doesn't give a shit about anybody. Killer dude who's just going to whatever, but he infused that character with uh, a nice level of both menace and humor. I mean, the, and the fact that he doesn't seem to take things seriously until he really does. And then he can go full Terminator and basically kill an entire old age home full of uh, Albanians. And meanwhile, he's trying to like, I didn't even know that there was such a place as Albania, apparently. Right. Because I guess he didn't watch Cheers back in the day. Right, um, but he didn't but he didn't kill the old guy with the gun. Didn't kill the old guy, so look at that. Look at that. He's he's the killer with a heart of gold. Um <laughs> Oh, it's funny because talking about people who are like killers of hard goals and, and look at, look at, look how I'm going to fucking bookend this podcast with something that has nothing to do with justified because it reminds me of the conversation that my friends brought up to me about that snowfall show I've been talking about. And they asked me this question and I was only halfway through the series and I was kind of. I didn't feel the way they were expecting me to feel, I think, about the characters yet. But as I got further, I started to say, oh, okay, I see why you asked me that question. And it's probably, the, if it's not the number one reason, it's the top three reasons I wish we had done a goddamn podcast about this show and I've been watching it all along. Because that show has these two characters. You got Franklin and you got Teddy. And as we follow them, I mean, you can say Franklin's essentially the main character of the show. It's where all the promotion lies or whatever. But, you know, if he's one, Teddy's kind of 1A. Um, to make it simple. When that, and then, again, I was asked this. I was basically two. I'd watched two and a half seasons when they asked me. I hadn't even gotten to the end of the third season yet. Who's the worst person? Franklin or Teddy? And even at that point, 25 episodes into it, I said, that's, wow, that's a really interesting, it's, it's so simple a question. It's like, dude, but, and yet it's not because you can make, that's a debate. You can take either side. And this is what I'm saying two and a half, again, two and a half seasons into the show. And I think you can kind of have fun and win that debate or not win the debate, make that case, make the case as you would do whatever for either character. Now I'm. I've watched three more seasons. I'm, now I've watched five and a half seasons. I got you know, more. I got, I got four episodes to go. I was like, and I got to say, every episode I've made a decision and then it kind of shifts and changes by the next episode. Because I'm like, oh, it's clear, clearly Teddy's the worst person because of blah, blah. And then Franklin's like, oh, wait, no, no, wait, wait. Okay, Franklin's clearly the worst person. It's like, like, Okay, these two are dueling to the end of like who's the worst person? <laughs> and it's interesting because one of the 
arguments that people make about shows and shows that they don't, you know, that they don't get into or don't like is, oh, they don't have someone to root for. Or they don't, there's not the, whatever. And I was kind of like, ah, shut up. Because, you know, you know, how did you, how did you watch any Scorsese movie for the bulk of his career? Who, who are you rooting for in Raging Bull? I'm sorry. Who are you rooting for in Goodfellas or even, or Taxi Driver? I'm sorry. If you watch reality TV and you tell me, like, I, I gotta have a good guy to root for the GFY. No. I watch reality TV. I what I want. I want bad people to root against. I don't care about good people to root for. Right. Um, but with this show, it's. It, I just. I just. I said that's. I mean, that literally could have been. If we had podcasted about that show week after week, whatever, that could have been the ongoing question. We could. could we could have done our own tally votes. Crap. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I used you damn thing. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like I just promoted your stupid podcast that I may or may not eventually appear on. Um, it just, and again, I, I guess it's fresh in my mind along with Justified City Primeval because I, I I watched two, I watched them back to back today, and there's a certain seamless kind of nature to them. It's like, oh, I wish you could have an episode where Raylan shows up, except Raylan might get killed. <laughs> 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 because now they're because they've reached a point. Cause once we got to this final season, I'm like. All right, I got a feeling pe- bodies are going to start dropping that I'm familiar with that are going to make me kind of sad. And we've already gotten one like, oh no, I really, that's one of my, someone who became one of my favorite characters. And okay, you know what? I, I'm, I'm betting other characters are going to be joining that character because I'm like, I bet you're going to die. And I'm pretty sure you're going to die. And you know what? One of you's got to die. And I'm telling you right now, I haven't watched the finale yet. I swear to God. If they do a thing where they, you know, kill each other, I'm going to be pissed off. I'm sorry. I'm just saying it officially. If it happened, it happened. I don't know. It's going to piss me off because I'm like, there's a, there's a line that's used a few times throughout the series. Pick a side. Pick a side. You got, you're going to have to choose. Pick a side. Playing to the rest. You know what? Pick a side because w- do not have both these guys die. I don't know if that's what happened. I'm going to find out in the next 24 hours because I'll watch that. And if there's a standalone podcast in 48 hours from Scott <laughs> that's about 20 minutes long, of course. You'll, you'll know what happened. <laughs> we, Dear Snowfall Riders. <laughs> Dear snow, snow Fuck Riders. No. <laughs> anyway, with that said, I, I, <laughs> I just had it. It's, it's fresh in my head. It's TV related. It's, it's, it's the podcast. I wanted to get it out there. Hopefully, folks, Anyone who's actually seen Snowfall enjoyed it. I did not spoil anything about it saying that. So that's a good thing. Much like that podcast I'm telling people to go back and listen to. That's, you know, the one where me and Jamie have a quickie. But, um, <laughs> I mean, conversation, of course. Um, but I just wanted to get, you know, squeeze that in here because that's, you know, that's what she said. All right. So if you people enjoyed this podcast, you know what else you people enjoy? Our Facebook page the series TV drama podcast page, like the page and join the conversation about shows like justified. Hey, like snowfall, like pretty much anything TV related. Hey, pop culture related, whatever, or just be silly. I don't care. I, I, I only delete things on the Scott forgot the eighties page. I don't do it on this DVD. <laughs> uh, what else? But oh, speaking of podcasts, you can find us, uh, pretty much on most podcasting platforms. You know, obviously if you go to podbean.com, STVD podcast, uh, podbean.com or blah, 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 blah. just put in serious TV drama podcast. You can just Google serious TV drama podcast. You'll find us. But if you haven't ever gone Apple podcast, yes, we've got a bunch of nice ratings there and whatever, you know, I think we've got like 49, five stars and two people who are dicks. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't, wouldn't mind another good review. You can also follow us on Instagram at serious TV drama and you can follow us on, X Twitter, whatever the hell it is now, and we are there. It's at STVD Podcast. As STVD is in serious TV drama. Okay. I do not know what the future is going to hold for the serious TV drama podcast between now and uh what Fargo doesn't come back to what, late November? Things like yeah. November twenty first or second or something like that. Okay, I haven't really peaked at the upcoming TV schedule for the next couple months. You know, I don't know if things have ne- things that were going to come out in the fall probably have not necessarily been delayed due to the writer strike and actor strike, but it's possible they haven't. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't even have a magic eight ball. Um, 
it's safe to say we'll probably be back with a, f- a couple more podcasts between now and then, just to, even if it's just a general TV one, or there will be a one-off show that we want to talk about or something will happen. But to appease y'all, especially if you like the combo of me and Brian here, Brian will also be joining me next month, some, sometime in September, on the next Scott Forgot the 80s podcast. Remember, that's Scott with one T when you're looking for us. And no apostrophe in 80s, because only idiots put apostrophes in 80s. That, I know, I just upset everybody. We will be knocking them back as I finally get around to seeing the Patrick Swayze movie Roadhouse. And I'm looking forward to that only because I've heard so much about this movie. So how bad could it be? <laughs> well, buckle up. You're in for it. You're in for a ride. <laughs> if, we should have, we should have done an all, we should have done an all time special one. We could have, could have done like a, a double feature, you know, roadhouse slash cocktails. And you know, that also deals with like <laughs> bartending and shit, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I know roadhouse is in a bar and I haven't seen cocktails. So I was like, I was like, wait, isn't Brian Brown in that? Does anybody remember Brian Brown? Is, is, he, is he still alive? FX. I don't. Yeah. Oh, FX. Right. <laughs> oh, FX the movie, not yeah. FX the network. Yeah, FX the movie. <laughs> there you go. See, see, it all came back it, together. It all came back together. <laughs> anyway, Brian, as always, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, folks like you and Jamer are always fun to have on. Well, I, I enjoyed it. Adios for now to our good friend Raylan Givens and Justified, and we'll talk to you soon. And until then, good night, y'all. Night. Mm-hmm.